So the president wants to pass a new police reform bill. All right. And it's the George Floyd Justice in Policing Act. Okay, it's already passed the House by a very slim margin. I don't think it's going to pass the Senate, but uh, Mr. Biden wants to put pressure on the Republican senators to pass this bill. The problem with the bill, and, and it is problematic, okay, is that it has in it eliminating qualified immunity for law enforcement, all law enforcement. So if you make an arrest, the person you arrest can sue you if you're a cop and you can't afford to pay those lawsuits, to pay those lawyers, and the unions will quickly get bankrupt if they do. So this destroys the criminal justice system in the United States. I'm not even getting into the other stuff. I mean, ban no-knock warrants and all that. That would hurt the criminal justice system. But this would destroy it. Now, once again, the question becomes, does Joe Biden know that? Does he understand that? Is he... um, Is he capable enough to understand that by including this in the bill, you destroy American law enforcement everywhere? You you answer the question. Now, you know the progressive left wants to destroy law enforcement. They don't want to have an effective criminal justice system. They want to let the criminals go. That's the progressive mantra. It has been that way for decades. All right. So I don't believe any Republican senator is going to vote for this. And so they'll filibuster it. But that's why this George Floyd family meeting is taking place, in addition to the humane aspect of it. Now, a guy who's leading this destroy the police is Benjamin Crump. Do you know that name? He's the lawyer who's made millions and millions of dollars representing the families of people that the police have mistreated. Okay, Crump has made tens of millions of dollars, but he's also leading the charge to dismantle policing in the USA. Will it take? We all pray that George Floyd was the tipping point that it would uh, lead to a new precedent where we would see uh, a reduction in these unjustified, unnecessary killings of black people in America. However, we have been reminded repeatedly that we still have a long way to go. All right. Now, you can disdain Mr. Crump, but he has some evidence on his side. On May 21st, um, some video was released by the state of Louisiana. Very disturbing video. A guy in 2019, Ronald Green, was pulled over by Louisiana state troopers, punched, dragged, they stun gunned him, and he died. Now, the troopers said that he died because he crashed his SUV into a tree. That was not true. The cops killed him. All right. And it's horrifying video. Now, Mr. Green was, according to coroner, under the influence of cocaine and alcohol when he died. But that doesn't mean that police can kill you. So this is Union Parish in Louisiana. 
So this is the kind of stuff that gives Benjamin Crump and the progressive left ammunition, sorry to use that word, but I have to, to destroy police. So it's very few police officers that do this, but it's done. And now with video all over the place, it becomes a thousand times more intense because you can see it. So I I don't know with 80,000 law enforcement officers in America, you're always going to have some of that. It's not, I'm not making an excuse, but if you, if you destroy the entire criminal justice system, because you have some rogue cops, bad cops, then we all are in danger. So let me back that up. Okay. Um, The riots last year, total bill, $2 billion for the riots of paid insurance claims, $2 billion. In Seattle, $2 million in damage, one dead, shot, four people shot, one shot to death. You remember Seattle, the Jenny Durkin, I'll give the radicals, uh, you know, five blocks in the city. Portland, Oregon, totally out of control to this day. Ted Wheeler, the mayor, $23 million that the city of Portland doesn't have in damages and lost revenue. One death reported. Minneapolis, Jacob Frey, okay, another far left loon. $550 million in damage to Minneapolis. All right, totally demoralized the police department. Now they have so much crime that Minneapolis, the city, has to bring in other police agencies to protect its citizens. All right? This is all after George Floyd. On and on and on and on and on. Almost every city in the country, the murder rate is up. African-American on African-American crime. That's what it is. It's going crazy. All right? And then you have in Chicago, and I'll give you the stats over the weekend in a moment, the mayor saying, hey, I'm not going to talk to any white reporters. She could not have done that before the George Floyd deal. Couldn't have done that. Now, she should be impeached, all right, or recall whatever mechanism they have in Cook County, because that's blatantly racist. Everybody knows it. Have you heard the uh, press go after her? Yeah. Uh-uh. So the New York Times is a story on Black Lives Matter, and support for that organization is plummeting. Why? Because people are catching on the $100 million they got from corporate donations is going to the people and they're buying million-dollar houses with it. That's why. Okay? I mean, come on. But the New York Times says, no, 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 no. Uh, It's the Republicans and the white people who are objecting to less supportive to Black Lives Matter. So you didn't tell me, New York Times, that honest black people think it's okay for the three women running the Global Foundation, BLM Global Foundation, to buy million-dollar properties? Is that what you're telling me here? I mean, jeez. St. Louis, nutty mayor again. I mean, this is on and on and on and on. So this is uh, Tashara Jones. She wants to defund the police, strip $4 million from the police budget in St. Louis. Well, murder rate's at a 50-year high, Mayor. The murder rate's 50-year. You want to take $4 million away from your cops? 
Now, these cities are small in the sense that the voting blocks are primarily minority. That's what happened in Philadelphia. Most white people live outside the city. Same thing in St. Louis. And it's minority people inside the city that are voting for Lori Lightfoot and putting these people in based on skin color. Get whitey or whatever it may be. Meantime, the death toll is like never before seen in St. Louis. All right. So let me, uh, do I have the uh, stats here? No, I'll give you the stats on Chicago and New York City, the murder rate stats after our guest, because we're warming up in the bullpen. All right, two polls, and then we'll get to the guest. African-Americans listening to the national anthem. All right, this poll is by the Washington Post. 1,500 Americans. The question is very, very simple. When the national anthem is played or sung at sporting events, how does it make you feel? Positive, 71% of Americans say positive. They like it. Uh, negative, six. That's it. All right. Neither, 22. They're eating popcorn, drinking beer. They don't care. By race, positive, white, 80%. Negative, three. Neither, 16. African American, positive, 35%. Neither, 42%. Negative, 22%. Okay. That's the national anthem. But I like that number. It's 71% of Americans are positive when they hear the anthem. All right, here's a poll on media. Ready? This is from Rasmussen. Rasmussen, pretty good pollster. And I don't say that I'm out many of them. Um, so Rasmussen commissions TIPP insights to get this. 1,300 adults, um, 53% do not trust traditional media. I made a mistake. This isn't Rasmussen. This is TIPP. All right. 53% do not trust traditional media. That's corporate media. 40% do. Who are those people? Here's the Rasmussen. Um, just poll conservatives. And the question was, which of the following TV networks do you watch the most often? Fox News, 52%. Other than Fox News, 48%. Okay? So half of conservatives don't watch Fox News much anymore. I think that's because of the Arizona call on the election. I think that still hurts the image of Fox News. But the numbers are down at Fox, big time, everywhere. And that's because a lot of conservatives say, not going to watch it. So let's bring in a guy who's trying to do something about this crazy media stuff. His name is Mike Davis. He's coming to us from Denver, Colorado. He's the founder and president of Unsilenced Majority, a relatively new organization which is opposed to cancel culture in all forms and corporate censorship in all forms. So, Mike, uh, thanks for coming on and talking to us today. Very specifically, what is your organization doing to try to combat the cancel culture? Thank you for having me on, Bill. So what we're trying to do with Unsilenced Majority, which we launched last Monday, is organize uh, everyday Americans, conservatives, independents, even even Democrats who are tired of cancel culture, who are tired of the censorship, who are tired of the woke mobs, who are tired of being to told they're racist because, uh, you know, the Black Lives Matter and this Marxist-driven Marxist ideology is telling us that we need, you know, with equity and critical race theory that we're just an inherently bad country and 
you know, we, we need to be less racist in America. We're just, I think we're tired of that. And so what we're trying to do with unsilenced majority is organize a groundswell of people to fight back. And so we have people going to our website, sign up for our email newsletter, sign up for our Twitter account, Facebook, Parler, YouTube. And so when there are issues that come up, we can we can activate these everyday Americans and fight back. All right. Now, how long have you been doing this and how many folks do you have? We have, uh, so we just started last Monday and we've had a huge overwhelming support on our website at unsilencedmajority.org, also on our Twitter at unsilencedorg. And uh, we are we are we are making an impact already. We're getting a lot of earned media, uh, and we're, uh, we're we're raising some issues. Like for example, with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Matt Lohmeyer, Matthew Lohmeyer in the Space Command, he was just relieved of his command. He was just fired by the the Biden Pentagon because he wrote a book and went on a podcast to talk about Marxism in the military. He was he was fired for this, and so uh, we raised this as an issue, and now it just got raised from. The general looking at this, it got raised to the uh, to the Pentagon level because I think the Biden Pentagon realized they they made, they made a mistake here. We've seen with, you know, Dr. Scott Atlas, he was canceled. Uh, he's a Stanford medical professor, uh, Stanford doctor, and he was canceled from big tech because he raised the alarm uh, uh, months ago about the fact that these stay home orders are causing more more harm than good with COVID. Right. Uh, we saw a Sorry about that. Go ahead. No, no, no. Um, that's the primary cancel culture weapon is the Internet, that you can be banned from a lot of these social media companies if they don't like what you say and they'll make up a reason why. But how can you and even a grassroots organization, even if you got millions of people, how can you go up against the social media company who are so wealthy and powerful, and where are they going to care what you say? Well, there's a couple ways you can go out. So the, the biggest proponents, enablers, and enforcers of cancel culture are big tech and big media. So what, what we're noticing with these corporations are, whether it's Coca-Cola, Major League Baseball, Delta, we don't think that these corporate CEOs are actually woke or actually care about this stuff. All they care about is, is they have these, uh, you know, these woke employees and these activist shareholders who are raising a fuss. And so they want to quiet. But that's true. These that, and you can hurt them. You can hurt them. I mean, Coca-Cola has been hurt big time. Um, and now they're drawing back. The guy saying, the CEO saying, well, we're not going to do this anymore. But with Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all of that, you're not going to be able to hurt them like you can hurt an individual company. Well, there's there are there are two ways you can hurt big tech, and one is to put pressure on attorneys general around the country, Congress, the FTC, the antitrust division at the Justice Department to enforce our century-old antitrust laws, and we have been doing that for the last year, and it's actually uh, it's been working. Right, so explain that. We have so explain that, Mike, so even I can understand it. Say you go to Texas, which is sympathetic to you and your group, all right, and you go to the attorney general and you go, we have four Texans who were booted off uh, some social media company. We'd like you to do what? So we would say we need to enforce our antitrust laws. The reason these big tech monopolists have the power to do what they do, uh, Google, Amazon, Facebook, Apple, Twitter, the reason they have the power to do what they do, the, the reason they are able 
to censor, to silence, to deplatform people with whom they disagree is because they have monopolies. And the reason we have monopolies is because we have antitrust amnesty in this country, or we did for over a decade where we did not enforce our century-old antitrust laws. And so by pushing these law enforcers at the federal level and at the state level to enforce our century-old anti, uh, antitrust, century antitrust laws, the Sherman Act, the Clayton Act, you take away big tech's power. Well, you're not going to get it from the federal level as long as the Biden administration is there. You know that. Um, but states, you could, you know, theoretically mobilize the attorney general to say, we're going to file a lawsuit against whoever because uh, they're restraining trade and they're violating people's rights of First Amendment. That's where you go. First Amendment rights, Mike. That's where you go. Now, do you have attorneys yep. working with you? Do you have experts and who can craft this stuff? We, we just started on Monday for the unsilenced majority. We are uh, raising our profile. We, we have extensive connections with attorneys all over America. We have extensive connections with, with law enforcement. We have extensive connections with, uh, with elected leaders in Congress. And in states all over America, we are going to be a force and we are going to be a counterbalance. Uh, and I'm, look, you're just a, a, an American citizen who's doing what he believes is his patriotic duty. Last question. How can the folks watching us right now help you? I appreciate that, Bill. They can go to unsilencedmajority.org, unsilencedmajority.org, and then also follow us on Twitter, unsilencedorg, Facebook, Parlor and YouTube. All right. So unsilenced majority is one word dot org. Even I could do that. I mean, that's right. All right, Mike, I'm, I want you to check in with us from time to time. See how it goes. Um, certainly, uh, I think majority of Americans are on your side and I hope they respond well uh, to this interview. Thanks again, Mike. Appreciate it. Radicals, as I mentioned, have taken on a lot of momentum and I wrote a column on it on BillOReilly.com, I hope you read the column, how the radical left has gained power so quickly because of corporate America. Corporate America is backing that. Now, here's another example of that. So every year, New York City has a gay pride parade, all right? But this year, the leaders of the parade are banning any New York City police officers who are gay from marching in it, all right? They say, quote, NYC Pride seeks to create safer spaces for black, indigenous, people of color, and gays at a time when violence against marginalized groups, specifically us and trans communities, has continued to escalate. Sense of safety and law enforcement is meant to provide can instead be threatening. Okay, so they're saying the cops, and the mayor of New York, the worst in the world, Bill de Blasio, has actually said law enforcement has to keep a block away from the parade. Well, if I were the police commissioner, I'd say, no, we're going to enforce the law and protect the people in the parade. So we're not staying a block away. That's what I'd say to the mayor. And I'd say it publicly, not privately. Anyway, no police officer anywhere in this country should march in any parade in uniform with the exception of honoring other police agencies, the military, the Senate. 
no cause parades. Okay, no police officers should march in uniform and cause parades because that's not what they're there to do. They don't want to be divisive. Okay, they can march in civilian clothes, fine, but not in uniform. But this attack from the uh, pride people in New York City, it's just, and I don't know, I know a lot of cops. I don't, I don't know any cops who are going, don't like gay. They, they, you know, they treat them like everybody else. They don't even know they're gay most of the time. All right. I mean, it's just insane. I don't think there's a lot of complaints from civilian gays against the New York City police. And I could be wrong, but I don't think so. That would be big news. Tyler Perry, good guy. All right. Georgia based guy. A big, big success in uh, show business. Here's what he said. Go. My mother taught me to refuse hate. She taught me to refuse blanket judgment. And in this time, and with uh, all of the internet and social media and algorithms and everything that wants us to think a certain way, the 24-hour news cycle, it is my hope that all of us would teach our kids, and not only to remember, just refuse hate. Don't hate anybody. Excellent, Tyler. I really admire your courage for doing that because the crowd in Hollywood has destroyed the film industry because it's so woke and far left that most Americans, and I include myself, I'm very rarely going to go. I didn't even go see Godzilla versus uh, King Kong. And I heard Godzilla had a T-shirt that said social justice, but I, I, I might be a miss. That might not be true. But anyway, I didn't even go see that. I haven't gone to see anything. I don't think I'm going to go see everything. I might see the Bond movie if it ever comes out. Maybe. All right. But I'm done. I don't want to see these people. And the cancel culture, they've wiped out 50% of the workforce. All you have to do in Hollywood, all you have to do, and you can do it anonymously. You don't even put your name on it. Is accuse somebody of something you don't like. You don't like that person, accuse them of something. Done. No two prizes. Finish. Gets in variety, gets in another thing. So-and-so did this. Anonymous sources tell us. Bang. And if you're conservative, forget it. Forget it. I said to Bruce Willis and maybe a couple of others, John Voight, uh, you can't work. If you're a marginal, if you're a director or a screenwriter and you're trying to get your stuff made and you're conservative or you're not woke, never. Destroy themselves. So I've been telling you and telling you and telling you, and I think most of you believe me, that the corporate media is dead. It's finished. Okay? That this is network TV programs, network news, cable news. It's all over. Jimmy Kimmel, uh, who does the late night show on ABC, Disney, he does uh, a monologue, supposed to be funny, for all the sponsors. It's called the Upfront Presentation. Now, I thought this was going to be on tape, but we can't find a tape. If anybody has it, send it to me. But I'm going to quote it, put it up on the screen. This is what Kimmel says. Things at the network are so desperate, we've had to resort to doing the right thing inclusion. We want ABC, Disney, FX, Hulu, Freeform, ESPN, and Nat Geo to be a safe space where anyone, no matter what their racial or ethnic background, their gender or sexual orientation, we want our platforms to be a place where everyone can bring their stories to die. <laughs> so Kimmel basically told his sponsors, nobody's watching. 
All right. Now, Kimmel should know because his show on every night on ABC Disney gets about a million and a half viewers. Carson used to do my nine million. OK, so Jimmy's right. Nobody's watching. Why is nobody watching? Chris Rock knows. Chris Rock knows why nobody's watching the network and cable presentations anymore. Roll it. What happens is everybody gets safe. Right. And when everybody gets safe and nobody tries anything, things get boring. Absolutely. So I see a lot of unfunny comedians. I see unfunny TV shows. I see unfunny award shows. I see unfunny movies. Because no one's, everybody's scared to like, you know, make a move. Right on. And you want to carry it into news. I got to tell you, I have never in my 45-year career on television seen a more boring landscape on TV. Same people saying the same things. They're afraid. They're all afraid. All of them. Now, maybe there's a handful that aren't afraid. That's not fair. Say all of them afraid. Not all of them. The vast majority. And they'll never, ever challenge. They don't do anything that isn't predictable. They stay in their own little niche zone. I mean, that... I would never permit that on the O'Reilly factor, ever. You either had to be genuine and honest and be able to speak your mind, or you didn't get on. Period. Cancel culture. Now, you know this country singer Morgan Whalen? Okay. So here's a big, big album, Dangerous. It's a huge, huge hit. And uh, he's got a lot of uh, attention. For the music, but then, but then, in January, January uh, 31st of this year, TMZ released an audio or a video of of Mr. Wallen saying the N word. All right, in a casual conversation, he said it, the N word, and it was audible, and Wallen admits it. So Wallen's 28 years old. So on Sunday he wins. Three top Billboard awards, top country male artist, top country artist in general, top country album. But he's not allowed to go to the ceremony in Los Angeles. He's banned, banished, canceled, can't go. And his record label dropped him shortly after the N-word exposition. But now Big Loud Records in Nashville apparently picked him up again. I, I don't, we haven't been able to confirm that, but there's something about that. Now, here's the uh, interesting part of this story. Wallen has apologized, all right, profusely apologized. Uh, I'm going to read what he said, because this is the crux of it. He said, I'm embarrassed and sorry I used an unacceptable and inappropriate racial slur that I wish I could take back. There are no excuses to use this type of language ever. I want to sincerely apologize for using a word I promised to do better. All right, now. The slur, the N-word, is a hateful word. Do you destroy people for using it forever? That's what I want you to tell me, yes or no. So Wallen, I was shocked when Billboard gave him the awards because Billboard is in with the Hollywood crew. All right, they say you can't come, but then he wins the awards. So 
I think Wallen will be able, because he generates so much money, and that's what it's all about for these pinheads, he'll be able to resume his career. But it's an interesting cancel culture thing. If he were not that successful, he's gone forever, no doubt. Alec Baldwin, we haven't talked about old Alec uh, in a while. Uh, he lives pretty near me, and I, I know him okay, you know, and I like him in person, just like Don Lemon. I mean, I, I don't have any beef with these people. Uh, I can have a few laughs with Alec Baldwin. So his wife got attacked for saying that she was Spanish when she was raised in Boston. Yeah, you can fly from Boston to Spain, but there's, a, there's an ocean between. So for some reason, his wife wanted to be identify as Spanish. I don't know. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me if she wants to be Spanish. Hola. Okay, fine. But Bowen was shaken by that because she got attacked on Twitter and, and all of this stuff. So he tweets this, put it up on the screen, quote, cancel culture is like a forest fire in constant need of fuel, functioning objectively, no prejudice, no code, just destroy the deserving and the undeserving alike, unquote. So Alec Baldwin is speaking out against the cancel culture. Just thought you'd like to know that. Franklin Graham, who I respect, and I respected his father, Billy Graham. They are Protestants, okay? Um, but they reach a lot of people. Now, Franklin Graham basically says the cancel culture is a sin. It's the road to communism. All right, here's the quote. Put it on up. Publishing giant Simon & Schuster's employees were demanding that they cancel a book with former Vice President Mike Pence, but that's not all. They demanded the company not publish any books by anyone who was part of the Trump administration. Simply put, the radical left and their cancel culture want to silence the voices of conservatives who stand against their agendas. They're trying to take our country down a road toward communism, and America had better wake up. Thankfully, Simon & Schuster's CEO didn't cave as announced, they will be publishing Mike Pence's memoirs, unquote. So, cancel culture is now in a danger zone, according to Franklin Graham. If every cleric in this country, imams, rabbis, priests, ministers, everyone, would speak out against cancel culture, it would disappear. Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532.
cancel culture, fighting back at the University of Vermont. This is a great story. There is a professor there named Aaron Kinsvater, all right? And he is objecting to the University of Vermont attacking white people. Roll the tape. The problem is, is that there's a new kind of discrimination on campus that's going on that I really feel that we need to talk about. And I think that everybody is afraid to talk about it. And this discrimination is against whiteness, that the same logic that informs what's currently being called whiteness right now can easily find its way to desperate persons who need a group to hate and who will adopt the suppositions that inform whiteness towards their own ends. For that, there's a demand for that professor to be fired. You can't stick up for white people. So the Vermont University of Vermont Provost, Patricia Prelock, sent an email out saying, quote, we will continue to lean into, very good, lean into, our diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts, and in so doing, create further opportunities to strengthen our community. We know there is anger, pain, and sadness when the lived experience of individuals committed to inclusion are denied or diminished. Oh, very woke. Isn't that so woke? So anyway, they can't fire the professor, Kinsvater, because he got tenure. No, he's protected, which is the only reason he could say that. But the petition is out for him to be fired. Okay? And a petition has gotten 3,435 signatures. All right? Let's fire the professor for making a very intelligent observation that if you hate white people, that's not going to be good. Okay? So, no, we want him fired. This is change.org does this. One of the most vile, vicious groups in America. But here's the good news at the University of Vermont. Sticking up for the professor are 4,502 petitioners. It's a petition sticking up for him, outnumbering the fired people. University of Vermont, Burlington, Vermont. Okay, Bernie Sanders territory. Cancel culture. So does a uh, volleyball player, Kylie McLaughlin, at the University of Oklahoma, used to be, well, she left the school because they branded her a racist, 22 years old, and uh, she's transferred out. Now she's suing um, the University of Oklahoma. Apparently, uh, Miss McLaughlin objected to the cancel of the Eyes of Texas, the song. Remember that? Where some loons at the University of Texas wanted to cancel that song, the Eyes of Texas, Laura Piney, because it was racist. It isn't racist. It's not even close to being racist, right? So Kylie, as is her right as an American, said, you know, this is pretty nuts. Well, they persecuted her, apparently. Um, they made her take inclusion and diversity courses um, they red-shirted her, which means she couldn't play on a volleyball team, so she's suing them. We're going to follow that lawsuit, um, and the University of Oklahoma, you know, you better think about what you're doing out there. 
because this is wrong. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. Okay. This day in history, I'm going to do it now because this is so ironic. So June 7th, 1979, 42 years ago, guess what the first state was to pass a holiday memorializing the end of slavery? Texas. I didn't know this. Texas was the first state to declare Juneteenth a holiday. And Juneteenth honors the end of slavery in the USA. As you may know, Texas was a slave state, part of the Confederacy. But before anybody else, the state of Texas said, you know what, we were wrong. And now we're going to memorialize the end of slavery by a state holiday. Do you know that? I didn't know that. Cancel culture. Penn State U. Okay? Ready? This is the Faculty Senate at Penn State. They passed the Inclusive Language Reform Legislation. A. They are replacing the pronouns he, him, his, and she, her, hers with they, them, theirs, or non-use, non-gendered terms. They're replacing freshmen, sophomore, junior, and senior with first, second, third, fourth year student. You can't say freshman or sophomore anymore. It's offensive. It's not inclusive. All right. Next one. They're replacing underclassmen and upperclassmen with lower division and upper division. How woke. Oh, Penn State, Nittany Lions. There you go. So good. Cornell, the librarian, Rihanna Esmail, says the library is racist. The entire library reinforces white supremacy. The Dewey Decimal System is racist. <laughs> What's the Dewey Decimal System? It divides the library into 10 subject groups. Psychology, religion, social sciences, language, math, medicine, arts, literature, geography, and history. That's the Dewey Decimal System. It's racist. <laughs> uh, why? Because I think the guy who invented it did something bad. Somewhere. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine, enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so I don't want to be selfish. Uh, I do a lot of reading, as you may know. If the book's boring, I put it down. Got to hold my interest. So there are five books out now that I think you'll like. 
First one is called Valcour, V-A-L-C-O-U-R, by Jack Kelly. Now, we wrote about this battle, the first battle that the American army won in the Revolutionary War in killing England. Benedict Arnold, uh, the Green Mountain Boys, Ethan Allen, we wrote about it. But Mr. Kelly goes really in detail about it up on Lake Champlain, so it's, it's fun reading. Second one is Blood and Treasure, Daniel Boone and the Fight for America's First Frontier, Bob Drury and Tom Clavin. I didn't know a lot about Daniel Boone. I knew something about him, but these guys really make him come alive, so I enjoyed that. Third book is The Anglo-Saxons, A History of the Beginnings of England, 400 to 1066. Now, why would I be recommending that? Because in order to understand how the United States came into being, you have to know how England came into being with this Anglo-Saxon thing. So it's a little pinheady, Mark Morris, but I think if you're a serious historian, you'll like it. Now, I am rereading some of the old Spencer books by Robert Parker, my, one of my favorite fiction writers. Um, they're really good. I mean, it, this is a beach read and plain read, okay? So they're really fun. And the final one is, I'm getting a lot of mail on a bold, fresh piece of humanity, my bio. Now, that came out, ooh, 15 years ago? Look, that's me. And my, the anniversary of my first communion was yesterday. Yesterday, May 18th, 1957, my first communion. That picture was taken. Throw that up again. A bold, fresh piece of humanity. That's what, of course, the nuns called me, totally destroying my self-esteem, as you can see. Right? That is a fun book. And I'm getting a lot of mail on it now, so I'm glad you guys have discovered that. I thought I would mention it. Of course, I'm so selfish that I can't not mention one of my books. <laughs> but I do it because I think you like it, all right? You know, I don't make any more money on a bull fresh piece of humanity. That a long time ago, but it's still fun. Okay, so you are up to date, and we have a, a really good program for you tomorrow. We hope you will check in with us. And again, very important that everybody who watches the No Spin News and listens, tell your friends, spread the word, be Paul Revere. We'll see you tomorrow.